Go ahead and turn in your Bible, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 5. So we've been coming through and studying Deuteronomy together as a church. And we find ourselves in the Ten Commandments right now. And then the Eighth Commandment. So if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 19. This is God's Word. And you shall not steal and you shall not steal let's pray father thank you so much for your word thank you lord for letting us open it and read it together thank you god for letting us study it i pray lord that you'd help us give us ears to ear and eyes to see give us humble hearts lord to obey your word Give us eyes to see the, the, the glory of your name. Lord, help us, please. God, thank you so much. You've made it so clear, Lord, that you love your church. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. And I pray, God, that one expression of your love towards your church, God, would be that you would teach us this morning, that you would draw us close to you through your word. Thank you, Lord, for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Deuteronomy 519, you shall not steal, the eighth commandment. Uh, a few reminders as we begin to talk about this commandment. Uh, a way to think about the Ten Commandments as a whole is as a mirror and as a map. So as a mirror for the sinner and as a map for the saint. So the law, the, the Ten Commandments of the law are a mirror in that they show us who we truly are, right? We gaze into the mirror of God's law. We see his holy, righteous standard, and we realize our own sinfulness, how much we've fallen short of the righteous standard of God as we look into the mirror of the law, or the mirror of the Ten Commandments. Romans 7.13 says that when we do that and we do it rightly, we know that we're sinners and then we look at the, the heights of God's standards in His law and we realize that our sin is, Romans 7.13, exceedingly sinful. So the law, or the Ten Commandments, functions as a mirror for the sinner. It's also a map for the saint. When people are redeemed, when souls are saved, they're given a brand new heart, and Christians want to obey God. Well, where do we find insight into His righteous standards so we can know what to do and what not to do? We can obey our God. Well, the Ten Commandments give us a map of, of God's righteous standards so we know how to obey Him. Not only a mirror, not only a map, but the, the Ten Commandments are also a revelation of the nature of God, of of, of what God is like. Who is God? And we can read, as, as I hope you've seen in the, as we've been in the Ten Commandments together, 
We can read the Ten Commandments and see what God is like. Isaiah 42, verse 21, it says, The Lord was pleased for His righteousness' sake to magnify His law. So why? Why is He pleased to magnify His law? For His righteousness' sake. This shows us something about the righteousness of God, about the righteous standards of God. We can see God through the lens of the Ten Commandments. And so, we could apply those three things, a mirror, a map, and the nature of God. We could apply those three things to each one of the Ten Commandments. You could do it in the form of a question. So, question number one, what does this specific commandment, so say the Eighth Commandment today, you shall not steal, what does it show us about ourselves? In other words, how is it a mirror to us? Okay. A second question, how does this commandment, how does it guide us in sanctification? In other words, how is it a map for us as we think about growing in godliness? And third question, what, is this, what does this commandment, what does the Eighth Commandment tell us about the nature of God? And we're going to walk through those three categories or those three questions as it relates to the Eighth Commandment. Now before I do that, let's just talk about the plain sense of the Eighth Commandment. It shouldn't be too difficult to understand, right? Don't steal. Don't steal. Don't take something from someone else that doesn't belong to you. Don't take something that belongs to another. Now this includes a lot of things, and I'm going to try to, I'm going to mention a lot of different scripture here to try to um, put some meat on the bones of, of what this means to this, what's being prohibited here, what's being forbidden here as far as not stealing goes. So let me just mention some things this includes. This includes man-stealing. Man, do not steal obviously would include man-stealing. Listen to this, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 7. If a man is found stealing one of his brothers of the people of Israel, and if he treats him as a slave or sells him, then that thief shall die. That thief shall die. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Just to double down on that one, I don't think anyone's doubting that standard, but I want to make sure we see it clearly. Exodus 21 verse 16 says this, Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. God's Severe punishment on those who are man-stealers and even those that would purchase or buy someone who was, who was kidnapped or stolen. So, that, so this commandment, don't steal, includes man-stealing. It also includes the stealing of animals or really the stealing of anything. If it includes animals, it includes anything. The taking of anything that does not belong to you. To, to get to the heart of that, I want to read Exodus 22. This is in verse 1. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. In other words, don't steal animals. And then I would go on to say, or anything else that does not belong to you. We'll see that in a verse here in just a moment. This also includes negligence. Negligence on your end 
that would cause the, 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 the harm or the taking away of somebody's property because of your own negligence, this would, this would be included in this command. You see this in Exodus 22? I'm still there. Listen to Exodus 22, verse 5. If a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed over or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best in his own field and in his own vineyard. So you neglected to control your animals. It ate in somebody else's field. You got to deal with that. That's been stolen. That fits under this eighth commandment. Next verse, Exodus 22, 6 says, If a fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that the stacked grain or the standing grain or the field is consumed by the fire, he who started the fire shall make full restitution. So again, uh, negligence on your end is included if it causes the, uh, the harm or the ruin of someone else's property under this commandment. You shall not steal. This also includes more deceptive ways. So not just bank robbery, right? Not just uh, breaking and entering, not, not just uh, take, robbing somebody, not just that, but more deceptive ways that that tends to happen. And honestly, sometimes, especially in the business world, more so-called respectable ways that robbery happens. And I'm going to mention several scriptures that will just, you know, give us some, some Bible around that kind of idea. Deuteronomy 25, verse 13. Listen to this. You shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, a large and a small. Don't do that. Why? You shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small. Why? Listen. A full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who act dishonestly, are an abomination to the Lord your God. In other words, hey, I've got these weights that kind of weigh something out in a certain way that they're going to get, they're going to pay me for more than they should have paid me because I sort of deceived with the, with the weights and the measurements that I had here. So these deceptive ways to be a thief. And again, in our business world, more respectable. We saw this in John, or we see this in John chapter 12, verse 6, where it says that Judas was in control. It was his job to care for the money bag. And he used to take from that, you know, just a little, just take a little bit here and there. Nobody will notice. It's thievery. It's stealing. Uh, Luke chapter 3 is another scripture to look to to see this sort of maybe a more deceptive way to be in violation of the Eighth Commandment. It says this. This is Luke 3 verse 12. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, so their job is their tax collectors. They come to John the Baptist and they say, what must we do? What should we do, teacher? And John the Baptist said to, him, said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Don't be a thief in your job. Collect no more than you're authorized to do. Then the soldiers came to John the Baptist and asked him, and we, what should we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. So included in this 
and, and how do you violate this commandment? It can be in your job. It can look like these rhythms of your job. There's a word used in Titus 2.10, pilfering, of just taking a little off the top, this embezzlement. This is, this is stealing. This is thievery. It's robbery. And it's in violation of God's commandment. Now you notice at the end of that verse, he tells those soldiers, don't exhort the money by threats or force. And then he says, be content with your wages. So at the root of this is this lack of contentment. To, so to, ha- to lack contentment with what God has given you, to lack that, is also at the heart of a violation of this commandment to not steal. I'll give you one more like that. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20. This is verse 14. Listen to this. Bad, bad, says the buyer. Bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes away, then he boasts. I read that and I thought, man, God's word is so practical. Bad, bad, says the buyer. Oh, so t- Just the deception of it's bad. Look how bad it is so they don't have to pay much for it. And then when they do, they boast. It's stealing. It's thievery according to God's word. This also includes, so just plain sense, what is this commandment? It includes cheating, cheating, stealing of other people's ideas or their answers. You hadn't put in the hard work and the hard labor, but you want to benefit from somebody else and take it away from them. Cheating on your taxes would be included here. And this also would include selfishness. Selfishness. Philippians 2.3 says, let nothing be done, nothing, through selfishness or vain conceit, but always consider others better than yourself. Look not, not only to your own interest, but look to the interest of others. Selfishness is included here. Instead of considering other people's lives and possessions as more valuable than your own, you consider your life and yourself more valuable. Therefore, you're willing to take from someone rather than sacrificing your life to give to someone. Selfishness is at the heart of the Eighth Commandment. Now, I hope you see the plain sense. I hope you see some broadness to this commandment, just like we've seen uh, throughout the rest of these commandments, the broadness of what this includes according to God's Word. Let's come to that first question. That first question is, How is the Eighth Commandment a mirror for the sinner? How is it a mirror for the sinner? It's a mirror in the sense, as I said earlier, that our sin is revealed by this righteous standard. We look at the righteous standard of God's Word, including you shall not steal, and we we gaze at it, and what do we see there? We, We see a failure to abide. We see sinfulness on our part. So it's a, it's a revealer of our sin by God's holy standard. I want you to consider this. This one command, the eighth commandment, just this one command is all that's needed to condemn you and me and the entire human race to hell forever. This one command is all that's needed to condemn all of us to hell forever who has broken the eighth commandment you shall not steal every child who snatched something from brother or sister is stealing 
Every student who tried to cheat on a test or cheat on an assignment is stealing. Every person who wanted something so bad they finagled their way through these half-truths to get what they wanted is stealing. It's a violation of the Eighth Commandment. Every employee who's been lazy when the boss wasn't looking. Every employer who withholds a fair wage. Every government that's taken more than is appropriate for the function of good government. Every moment of discontentment, I must have, not what God's blessed with, I must have more than what God's blessed me with. i got to have it. Every moment of discontentment, a violation of the Eighth Commandment. Every moment of selfishness, looking, more, looking out for myself and not for others, it's a, it's a violation of the Eighth Commandment. And we'll talk about this later. But simply failing to be generous, simply failing to be generous, I'm willing to take from others for my good rather than I'm willing to sacrifice myself for other people's good. Every, every moment of a lack of generous, generosity is a violation of this commandment. So in light of that, every single person in the room, every human in the entire world condemned by one commandment. It's all that it takes. One single commandment. Now, what about Jesus? Perfectly obey the standard of the eighth commandment. His entire life, from a child to an adult, perfectly obeyed it. His, his every single circumstance perfectly obeyed this commandment. Outwardly, he obeyed it, and the inside motivations and desires, he obeyed this commandment absolutely perfectly. He's the, he's the only righteous one. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus says this, The thief, he says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life, gives his life for the sheep. Perfect in generosity. Perfect in never disobeying the Eighth Commandment. So here we are. We put our lives next to the standard of the Eighth Commandment, or just put our lives next to the standard of the life Jesus lived and His righteousness, and all of us are condemned. Now why, why would the law come to us as a mirror? Why would God want to show us our sin? To lead us to Christ? To lead us to the Savior? The one who died for sinners? He's our only hope for forgiveness. The law is meant to lead us to Him because in our pride, we don't think that we're thieves. And yet, and yet God's Word exposes every single one of us as thieves. And the Eighth, command, eighth, commandment, eighth commandment reminds us we need a Savior. We need Christ. And Christ is that Savior who sacrificed Himself for sinners, even thieves, so that even thieves could be saved. So don't be like the rich young ruler. Remember him? Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to have eternal life? Jesus lays the standard of his law in front of him, including don't steal. In pride and arrogance, the rich young ruler says, yeah, yeah, I've done all that stuff from my youth. I've obeyed all that stuff already. He's deceived. He's full of pride. 
Jesus gives him one more. Oh, yeah, you've kept this don't steal commandment. He says, well, take all you have then and give it to the poor and come follow me. And he exposes his heart that he's in violation of all the commandments, even the eighth commandment. He's in violation of this. He exposes him. And instead of him seeing his sin and running to Christ, the only Savior, it says he turns around and he walks away. He walks away sorrowful. So when the Word of God exposes you, don't be like the rich young ruler. Be like the thief on the cross. You remember him? The other, the other criminal is, is jabbing at Jesus with his words. And he rebukes him and says, what are, you, what are you doing? We deserve. He knows his own sin. The thief says, well, he's hanging on the cross saying, we deserve what we're getting right now. We deserve this condemnation. But that man is hanging on the cross has done nothing wrong. He's the innocent one. He's the righteous one. And then he, he looks to Jesus and he says, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus saves thieves. That's glorious. Second question. How is the eighth commandment a map for the saints? A map for our sanctification. Remember, the redeemed want to obey those that have been truly redeemed have a new heart, and we want to obey our God. So how, how is the Eighth Commandment helping us to know how to obey our God? And there's two categories you could put it in. There are things that are forbidden, okay? We've already mentioned several of those things. Taking anything that doesn't belong to you. Negligence to the ruin of other people's property. Deceit in business transactions. Cheating, discontentment, selfishness, etc. Those are things that are forbidden by this commandment. And we need to take heed to that and be doers of the word, not hearers only. Okay? But then there's also things, and we've talked about this a lot with the commandments of uh, the way the New Testament deals with several of the Ten Commandments is not just what it tells you not to do, but what does this commandment call you into? What's the positive exhortation? So negatively, we know what not to do in light of the Eighth Commandment, but what's the positive exhortation? Therefore, what do we do? And I'll put this in two categories as far as the positive exhortation goes. Two categories. Be just and be generous. Be just and be generous. So let's start with an exhortation to be just. In light of the Eighth Commandment, brothers and sisters, love justice. Be, be just. What you think about the Eighth Commandment? What is it commanding you to value? Don't steal. Don't take other people's stuff, therefore value what? Value other people's property. Value what they own. Romans 13 puts this right under the commandment to love one another. Love one another. Love each other by valuing each other's possessions. It's a positive exhortation to value their possessions. So be just in that. Now let me give you some scripture that I think comes under that heading. Listen to this. This is Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8 and 9. Open your mouth. Church, listen. Take this exhortation. Open your mouth for the mute and for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. 
and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Did you catch what this is saying here? This doesn't say, hey, there's some problems out there. The poor and needy got problems. There's people that got problems, but it ain't my problem. It's theirs. You see, that's at the heart of stealing. It's about me. I'm willing to take from you for me. But the opposite charge is value other people's property. Love them. Quit being self-centered and be centered on the glory of God and how to love and serve other people. And in this command, he's saying, open your mouth for the speechless. Plead the cause of the poor and needy. Look away from yourself. That's a charge flowing out of the eighth commandment. Deuteronomy chapter 22, I believe another good place to see this idea of be just, love justice. This is 22, 1 through 4. Listen to this. You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. Now, if you like to write in your Bible, you ought to circle ignore because he's about to say it two other times. Ignore them. Ignore, don't, don't ignore them, he says. You shall take them back to, their, to your brother. And if he does not live near you, and you do not know who he is, you shall bring it, bring that property, to your home and to your house, and it shall stay with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. And you shall do the same with his donkey or with his garment or with any lost thing of your brother's. It's not just about animals. It's just possessions in general. Any lost thing of your brother's. He says, which he loses and you find, you may not ignore it. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore them. You shall help him to lift them up Again, so three times, don't ignore it, don't ignore it, don't ignore it. If you're listening to the Eighth Commandment, don't steal. Have value and respect and love for other people and their property. It includes things like this. Don't ignore them in their need. You don't, we don't as Christians have the right to say, well, it ain't my problem, it's their problem. No, you are called three times. Don't ignore it, don't ignore it, don't ignore it. It sounds a lot like 1 John 3, verse 16 and 17. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ, didn't ignore it, by the way, laid down his life for us. And then the application he's, he makes is, how, if we have this world's goods, if we have this world's goods, 1 John 3, 17, and see our brother in need and close up our heart, close up our heart against him, ignore it. He says, how does the love of the Father, how could the love of the Father abide in us? So here's this positive call to love justice, to care for other people's stuff and possessions. Uh, I'll read a couple, uh, one or two more here. Deuteronomy 24, verse 10. Listen to this. Did you know that this even, the, this even affects the way you would uh, go collect a debt that someone owed? If that's something you ever have to do. Deuteronomy 24, 10. When you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, you shall not go into his house to collect his pledge. You shall stand outside, and the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. What's he saying there? Respect his property. Don't go barging up in his house. 
Okay, you stand outside. He even tells you where you should stand when you collect a debt. And why? What's the purpose here? To value other people's possessions, to, to, to honor them in that way, to love them in that sort of way. And this is, a, this is an application of the Eighth Commandment. To do justice, to love justice. And even fitting under this category would be just the whole idea of just desiring to do honest work. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief... Let the thief no longer steal, which is beautiful. He's writing to the church. You mean there are thieves there? Oh, yeah. Hey, and they've been saved. Let the thief no longer steal. But it says, rather let him labor, labor, do an honest work with his hands. So this call to do honest work and to desire that in your life, not get a dollar at all cost. So two categories, be just Positive exhortation, second category, brothers and sisters, be generous. Be generous. And to, and to show that, I'm going to go back to that same verse I just quoted, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. I want you to listen to the second half of it. Ephesians 4, 18 says this. Excuse me, not 4, 18, 4, 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor... Doing honest work with his own hands. Why? Here's a part I didn't quote to you. Why? Why do that honest work? Why not still do honest work? What's the positive exhortation? Here it is. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Generosity. Be ge so respond to the eighth commandment by being generous, being full of generosity. To lack generosity, according to Malachi 3.8, is to steal from God. It's to rob God when we lack generosity. It all belongs to Him anyways, and we rob Him when we don't obey Him and being a generous, a generous people. Now, for Christians, for Christians, generosity is, is a, it's a major way that we put the gospel on display. As you think about examining yourself, am I a generous man? Am I generous with the, with, with the things that God has blessed me with? Am I a generous woman? Am I, are we a generous family? Are we a generous church? As we think through that, listen, this is a big deal because generosity is a way that we show the gospel. Now, how do I know that? If you go read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the whole context of that chapter is Paul is exhorting the Corinthian church to be generous. God loves a cheerful giver. Don't hold the things of this world too tightly. Have a loose grip on the things of this world and be generous. Be giving. Be, self, uh, be, be sacrificial in the way you serve others through giving. He's calling them to that. He's even, calling, he's even giving them the example of the Macedonian church who were poor. They're in poverty. And he tells the Corinthian church look, at that church, look at the Macedonians. They're in poverty, and yet they're laying down their life to be generous. And he's saying, you need to be the same. And right in the middle of calling them to generosity, he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes... He made himself poor in order that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 
He puts the gospel right there in those terms that Jesus is rich beyond measure, and yet he makes himself poor. Jesus takes on human flesh. He takes on the humiliation of death. He's buried under the wrath of God when he didn't deserve it. We deserve that. He takes our punishment, a humiliating death, and he made himself poor so that we, through his poverty, might have the riches of salvation. And he takes that glorious gospel and he says, your giving, your generosity, either puts that on display in a good way or it demeans it. And so he's calling them to be generous as a display of the gospel. So brothers and sisters, Grace Community Church, I want to encourage everyone here to examine yourself in light of this. Take time. Take time. Now, later, think about the way, think about the way you're moving in this life. Do you move in such a way? Do, do you give in such a way? Do you deal with your money and your resources in such a way that it's really, really plain that this isn't your home? That you're trying to be sacrificial and give and serve others and make yourself poor so others can be rich here in this life because your home's in eternity. You can't keep the things here. You can't take it with you. Nor will you want to when you see the glory that Christ provides. So do you show the exam? I want to call us all to that, to examine ourselves in light of the Scriptures. This heart of don't steal. Eighth commandment, don't steal. Considering yourself so valuable and your things so valuable that you're willing to take from others to get for yourself. Do the opposite. Be like Christ. Uh, uh, put the gospel on display that you would sacrifice your own self to make others rich, to serve others. Brothers and sisters, please examine yourself in this commandment. Now, last question. What does the Eighth Commandment reveal to us about the nature of God? What does it reveal to us about what God is like? And I'll mention two things. The wisdom of God and the generosity of God. The wisdom of God and the generosity of God. On the wisdom of God, just the fact that God places the Eighth Commandment as a part of this ten puts His wisdom on display. Now, I want you to consider, with the Ten Commandments being this summary of the law of Moses and this summary of God's righteous standard, the Ten Commandments being that, think of the protections, the protections that are offered to humanity through the Ten Commandments. Protection of God's worship, Commandment 1 and 2. Protection of God's name, Commandment number 3. Protection of the family, Number five and seven, honor your father and mother, don't commit adultery. The protection of life, don't murder. The protection of the truth, don't bear false witness. And, 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 you, and you stop for a minute and you go, okay, that covers it all, right? That covers everything, right? And God in his magnificent wisdom includes the protection of private property. The protection of human ownership. Now, this commandment, this eighth commandment, just talking about the wisdom of God, it establishes the whole idea of the right to private property or for you, this thing about for you to own anything. Who says you get to own anything, right? Like who says that? Who's, why is it even right for anybody in this room to own land or own a car or own anything that you own? Why is that even a thing? 
And well, that gets established into God's word. In other words, it's established in God's word, even in the eighth commandment. If there's not this right to, to you as a human to own something or to private property, if that right's not there ingrained in creation, then the command not to steal makes zero sense. And I want you to see this as the wisdom of God on display. There are people and systems that have rejected this basic idea of the right to private property or human ownership. Millions of people have been persuaded by this worldly wisdom. They've been persuaded by things like, well, what, what if just nobody, what if nobody owned anything for themselves? Wouldn't that alleviate poverty? Wouldn't that put us all on this same ground of equality? And there, there are millions that have been persuaded in to these kind of ideas. And the wisdom of the world has been tried and it's failed. In fact, the result was unthinkable escalation of human suffering. And that whole idea is not just a thing of the past. There's people that believe this way now. So let this be a reminder to us as we learn from history and this escalation of human suffering from false ideas that this is God's wisdom. The Eighth Commandment is God's wisdom. The things implied by the Eighth Commandment are the wisdom of God on display. Praise to our God. Second, what does it show us about God? And most clearly, it shows us His generosity. The generosity of God. Now again, Jesus said, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal. He says, but I came, think about his generosity. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We see it in the eighth commandment. God is the only being with the authority to take what belongs to you and it not be stealing. Because ultimately, he owns it all. He's the only being with the authority to take what belongs to you and it not be stealing because it all belongs to him. And yet, does God carry the disposition of a thief? And the answer is absolutely not. Even when God takes what belongs to you because it ultimately belongs to him, he's, he's doing that for your good. To ultimately give you something far greater even when he takes from you. That's glorious. Our God is not a, our God is not a thief. In fact, he's generous. He's generous beyond all comprehension. And I want us to close by just thinking through the glory of the generosity of God. Okay? Every single breath that you breathe. It's the generosity of our God. Every single breath. Every satisfying meal that you've eaten, that satisfied your hunger. Oh, and God didn't have to do this. That it, that it exploded your taste buds because God did that. That's the generosity of God in your life. Don't take it for granted. Every moment of warmth that you felt when it was cold outside. Maybe because God blessed you with certain clothing or he gave you a warm home. Every moment is an expression of the generosity of God in your life. Do you, do you, do you know that? Every, every refreshment from a cool breeze when it's hot outside or when you're working hard and there's a, the, the thirst is quenched by a cold glass of water. Every single one of these things, the generosity of God, the gener generosity of God, we deserve none of it. It's, it's God's generosity on display 
Your ability to sleep when you're tired, a gift from God. The fact that you wake up and that you woke up this morning, a gift from God. Matthew 5 verse 44 says that God makes his son rise. He makes his son rise on the good and on the evil. He sends, he sends rain to the just and to the unjust. This is the grace of God. This is just generosity poured out regardless of their sin. Even towards those that hate him. The generosity of God. Every memory, every single memory you've ever had that served you well. Maybe it was a good memory that brought you joy. Maybe it was a bad memory that gave you wisdom because it warns you. But just the fact that you can remember anything from five minutes ago or 15 years ago, that's just the generosity of God to you. The fact that you can think and you can reason logically. Every moment of sanity that you have, it's a gift of God. It's the, it's the generosity of God. Don't take it for granted. Every enjoyment of music. That you just enjoy listening to that. Every side of beauty. Something beautiful that you saw. Every benefit from technology. Every pleasant smell from the kitchen. All the beautiful sights, the, the flowers out in the field, the blue sky, a sweet child a smiling back at you. All this stuff, generosity of God, it's just on display. We take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Do you see God's grace in all these things? Every relationship is a gift from God. Your friends, your family, your church. Laughter, the time you're laughing with your friend to your stomach hurt, like this is, this is that's, that's from God. The smiles that you see in somebody and it brings you joy, like it's from God. When something's really hard and there's somebody that's going through it with you, these are gifts from God. They're from the hand of God. And here's what's so amazing. We deserve none of it. In fact, we deserve the opposite of it. We deserve the wrath of God forever. And yet he's given all these things out freely. It's the generosity of God. Generous beyond measure. And just to keep that going, God took on human flesh. Generously gave up his life for you rose from the dead, and generously pours out unthinkable blessings on those that put their trust in Christ. Eternal life comes to those where there should be death. It's generosity. The Holy Spirit to live in those where there should be emptiness. That's generosity of God. Justification where there should be condemnation. It's generosity that the judge of all the earth not based off of a sinful human's merit, but based off of what Jesus did, that God would look at them and the judge would say, innocent, righteous, based on the merits of Christ. Oh, it's generous. Regeneration, a new heart where there should be a heart of stone. God gives that to his people. Adoption where there should be abandonment, that he would bring you into his family, that he would call you son, he would call you daughter. It's grace, it's, it's generosity of God on display. The holy city come down from heaven as a bride adorned 
for her husband. Fullness of joy, as Psalm 16 says. Fullness of joy, and at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Man, he's generous. He's so generous. And the Eighth Commandment's a reminder of that. We're to glory and the unmatched generosity of God who looks at His people and says, don't steal. Don't steal. Don't count yourself so important that you're willing to take from others and not care about others. No, no, no. Sacrifice. Lay down your own life for the good, the love, the service, the benefit of others. And, he, and, and when you get a glimpse of this God who's so generous, man, it makes you want to do that. And I pray that we would see him and grow in obedience to this command. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. God, I pray that you would help us to glory in your wisdom, to worship you for your grace, your great generosity, Lord. Help us to glory in you for your love, Lord. And God, I pray that you help us to be a godly people, be a people that are like you. God, every... I pray that you would deal with every temptation in this room. Whether it's deceit or selfishness or discontentment, Lord, or embezzlement God anything that's there God I pray that you would expose the sin and you wouldn't let it sit quiet God but you would expose it in us Lord for the sake of loving us and killing our, killing our sin Lord and you commanded us to put it to death to put to death the deeds of the flesh God help us to do it by the power of the spirit help us to put to death the deeds of the flesh Lord and the things that would violate this commandment. God, help us, to, help us to be those that are selfless. God, kill, kill our self-centeredness, Lord. Cause us to value others as more precious than ourselves, Lord. To look out not just for our own interests, but to look out for the interests of others. Make us a generous people, Lord. Help us to hold the things of this life so loosely. Cause us to remember what's coming in eternity, Lord. Cause us to remember all of your grace and your generosity, Lord. And God, make us like you, please. And God, we give you praise for the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you save thieves. Unworthy thieves like us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that you invite them to come with you to paradise. We love you, Lord, and commit this to you. In Jesus' name, amen.